Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. The presence of the Holy Spirit is here. And uh, are you ready to receive from the Word of God? Would you stand with me this morning? You can go ahead and put that first slide up if you would, Victoria. Thank you. This morning we're in the book of Ezekiel. Don't go there very often. But in Ezekiel, it speaks of the nation of Israel in the last days. For those of you that may not pay attention to the news, and I can understand that, but Israel has been in its homeland for 70 years. On May the 14th, this past month, they were there 70 years. 70 years is somewhat considered a generation, and the number 70 is very important to God and, and what He is doing. Daniel 9.27 talks about the 70 weeks that are determined upon uh, Israel, and there's only one week left to fulfill. If you don't understand that passage, a good commentary or coming to the Revelation study will help you. There's one week, seven years left. It is called the Tribulation. Since they've been in their homeland for 70 years, and since that army in Ezekiel, the dead dry bones that you sung about in elementary school, these bones, these bones, these old dry bones, hear the word of the Lord, they now have about the 10th largest army in the entire world. The army is standing on its feet. It's breathing. It's breathing in the breath of God. The flesh has come upon the bones. And the nation of Israel is about to do something great in the world today. Can you give God praise in His house? Some of you look shocked, but I'm Pentecostal. In the book of Ezekiel, where we are today, we're at the temple the millennial temple, when Jesus Christ returns after the seven-year tribulation, he will set foot on top of Mount Olivet, and it will cleave in two, and water will flow from that point. The temple, when it's rebuilt, will flow to the Dead Sea. It will flow to the Mediterranean Sea. The Dead Sea will live again. They will catch fish. They'll be mending their nets. Wherever that river goes, it will heal. Ezekiel puts it this way. And afterward... Chapter 47, verse 1. He brought me again unto the door of the house, the house of God, the temple. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and waters came down from under the door from the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. They're flowing east to west. Then brought he me out of the way, the gate northward, and he led me about the way under the outer gate by the way that looketh eastward, and behold, there ran out waters on the right side. Now, if you didn't follow that geographically, that's all right, I understand, but pay attention now. Verse 3, and when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward toward the Dead Sea, he measured a thousand cubits, about a mile and a half. Excuse me, about a quarter mile. 
a thousand cubits, about a quarter mile. The Bible says, and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. It's a gradual decline on the bottom, and the river is now to the ankles. And again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. How many of you have been in a, a creek or a, a river? Today, I want you to imagine, you, you have to take your shoes off, go ahead. But imagine that you're just walking in this wonderful, cool water on a day that's about 100 degrees. The stones that you're walking on, because you got your shoes off now, are smooth and, and comfortable to your feet. And you're facing downriver. Now, come with me now. You're facing downriver, and this cool water is just gently pushing you to go deeper and deeper. Again, he measured a 1,000, about a fourth of a mile out, just far enough where if it was Pastor Jeff, I could recognize him. I could see that far. I could see his outline. I could see his mannerisms. And he's beckoning me to come a little deeper. And the river, and, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the knees. And he measured a thousand, and he brought me to the waters, and they were to the loins waist deep. The deeper you go, the stronger the flow. And again, he measured a thousand. Just takes you a step at a time. A river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen. Waters to swim in. A river that could not be passed over. Would you pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise and glory in the house of God today. Thank you for the privilege of your presence. Thank you for the privilege of your sacred word. Thank you, Lord, for preserving that word that we could have it today and understand what that prophet saw and who that man was. I thank you, Lord, and I give you praise. And, Father, for my neighbor today, I pray a double blessing upon them. Lord, don't let them out of here until you unload a blessing upon them and change them, Lord, from whatever it is they're going through today to where, Lord, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We thank you, Lord, in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. And everyone in God's house said, Amen. Turn to your neighbor, shake their hand. Tell them I'm ready to get wet. Sister Victoria, would you go to the next slide, please? And when the man that had the line in his hand went eastward, he went a thousand cubits. I found a modern device to kind of depict that. But what it was in Bible times was just a long rope. And it would stretch and it was measured out to be a, a cubit is 18 inches. And that many feet out would stretch and it would be straight. If you've ever built any kind of structure, you know, a, a line, a string, even if you're just putting in a garden, you, you set your string down and make it go taunt so the rows are nice and neat. Well, he measured out a thousand, and this is what I come. What I want to convey to you today is the man with the line in his hand that went forth in that river was the Lord himself. 
God will never lead, lead you where he won't be with you. Somebody say amen. God will never take you someplace where the word of God doesn't abide, where you, you don't have your moral compass anymore. He'll never take you there. And there's one thing about the Lord. He dwells in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If everybody else in church with you who is filled with the Spirit says, you're probably doing the wrong thing, guess what? You're probably doing the wrong thing and you did not hear the voice of God. You heard the voice of self. Getting quiet, that's all right. Let's go to the next slide. This is a depiction of that temple river. It and the temple itself, the temple in Jerusalem will be rebuilt. I don't care if the Dome of the Rock of, of the Islams are there. That's going to be removed and Israel will build its temple and the temple of God will stand 1,000 years. Give God praise this morning. Enemies have tried to destroy Israel for century upon centuries. The Egyptians tried it. The Romans tried it. The Greeks tried it. The Medes and the Persians tried it. The Babylonians tried it. And as of late, the Egyptians tried it. The Palestinians have tried it. The Syrians have tried it. Probably the Jordanians have tried it. The Russians have tried it. But they're still there in their homeland. That river that will flow from the temple during the millennial 1,000 year reign of Christ when he comes back has healing properties. And that river that flows into now what is the Dead Sea where nothing lives, maybe some microbial algae, but nothing else. That river will heal the Dead Sea and they will be fishing in the Dead Sea once again. A marvelous thing. Those folks, some of them are waist deep. I don't see anybody swimming. I see something wrong with that picture. The Holy Spirit in the Word of God is depicted as oil, fire, wind. That does not mean that's what He is. These are just analogies, these are just metaphors. He's also pictured as a river. Out of his belly shall flow a river of living water. What? The ones that are filled with the Spirit of God. Some of you folks today, you're ankle deep in God. You're still in control. You still walk around the way you walk. You come to church, you feel the presence of the Lord, and you think everything's all right. Some folks are a little deeper in the plan of God and they feel the force of the river pushing on the back today's going to get warm enough some of you are going to wish you had a cool creek to go get into can we go to the next slide the deeper you go the stronger the flow now we don't know how deep this person is we're just seeing where they're walking where God leads you you're not going to step on a sharp stone or on a fisherman's hook. 
The Holy Spirit will lead you where you can walk and you can talk with Him, but He's going to lead you deeper and deeper and deeper. And if that is not the direction you're going, you're stuck in a rut. You can't live the way you used to live and fool the Holy Spirit. He keeps pushing you and pushing you. Pastor's been preaching on restoration. Today, I want to focus myoptically upon your soul. Could we go to the next slide? There is the Trinity of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One of the ways He made you in His image is that you have body, soul, and spirit. Our body, of course, is our outer vessel. It's the clay pot that breaks when you die and your soul and spirit go on to be with the Lord. Somebody take me back, thank you. The soul is the inner person. It's who you really are. It's what leaves your body when you leave your body behind. You exit stage right. Your spirit is your life force animator. It's what makes you tick. Here's something I want to give to you. When you come out of the grave or when you are raptured, those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the Lord and so shall they ever be. Your new life force animator, your new spirit is not going to be your old manly mortal spirit. It will be the Holy Spirit. He will animate you throughout all eternity. Oh, that just makes me excited. But today, we're going just a little deeper than just talking about the Trinity of man. Let's go to the next slide. The soul of man. What happens when we die? If you're a Christian, your soul and spirit go on to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So there should be no fear of you dying. Honestly, I don't care which way God takes me. I just want to get there. You say, well, I'm not in a hurry. Well, I'm thinking that I am. If you've been in the news, if you've been listening to what's been going on, what is going on is that the, the, the rapture is soon to take place. For there shall be wars and rumors of wars, pestilence, earthquakes in many places. Over on the Hawaiian Islands, there's, an earth there's a volcano going on with earthquakes. And it's just going wherever it wants to go. And there's not anything anybody on earth can do about it. When God does something, you can't stop him. When I was a child, I would go to school and not worry about anybody shooting me. But today it's on, and, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a warning, it's not going to stop. It's the last days. You can pass all the laws you want to pass, but there's one thing I know about a criminal. They don't care about laws. Pass a billion laws, a billion of them. Oh, that'll make us safe. I'm going to march around my little sign, and I know I'm going to do. It doesn't do, did they? 
What's wrong is in the soul of man and the evil. There is, sister, there is not one idle demon in hell. They have all been released, all of them. There's not one that's idle. And what you're dealing with is the evilness that's coming out of the pits of hell. Washington can't do anything about it. Congress can't do anything about it. The politicians that flap their liver lips can't do anything about it. Nothing. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. Man is learning a lesson that he cannot control himself or the evil spirit that is within him. It takes calling upon God and turning your soul over to him. If you drop a nickel, I'll preach. Let's go to the next slide. Let's go to the soul. Maybe you didn't realize your soul is also a trinity. It is the most important possession you have. And you're in charge of it. You're in charge of your soul. God has free will. He gave free will to you. Another important facet of being created in the image of God the makeup of the soul goes something like this. It is the mind that controls your emotions that leads your will. Mind, what we think. Emotions, what we feel. And will, the way we act. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, against principalities, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Every demon in hell is going to pound every individual that they can every single day. All you have to do is open your newspaper and if you read very long, you get mad. What are these people thinking? Why are they doing this? Who could be cruel to a puppy dog and break their jaws? Makes me want to do something physical. And I have to, okay, Lord. Okay. You, you, you're, you're, you're taking names. And you're going to take care of this. It doesn't take much. Because we have to control what we think. You're in charge of that. I know there's thoughts that come into your mind, but you have to eject them. Hello? Young, young men, let me speak to you, an old man now. Just because you're married doesn't mean that every other woman in the world turns ugly. You'll be tempted to look and to think. That's where it stops. You reel your emotions and your mind back in. And you remain faithful to your wife for over 45 years. 
I said that. My wife and I will be married next month, 45 years. We've been dating since we were 14. We met each other in Sunday school when we were 12. Say, has it been easy? No, not easy. What kind of an idiot would say that? Some say it's marriage is 50-50. Baloney! It's not 50-50. Sometimes it's 99 to 1 and 0 to 100. Sometimes. But I made my mind up. It's the right thing. It's the holy thing. It's the godly thing. What do you want out of life? Your way all the time? Or the heavenly Father blessing you abundantly from the portals of heaven? Let's go to the next slide. In the mind of man, that's where we're going to focus. Soul, mind, emotions, and the will. These are the unholy things that the demons will try to throw on you. The one in the lower left, anxiety. It's twin brother, depression. They go together. You can't have anxiety very long before you become depressed. And if you're depressed long enough, you're going to end up oppressed by the enemy. He will change the way you think, the way you feel about yourself, which is going to take and make you not want to do the things that God has called you to do. Anxiety will make you afraid to get on an airplane. But maybe God wants you to preach a revival in North Carolina. you got to break through and do the very thing that you're afraid to do. I have dealt with anxiety. I am Yoda on anxiety. And I will tell you, there is no magic formula. What you have to do is do exactly what you're afraid of. Go sit on that plane and shut up. And when the plane takes off and you're in the clouds, if the rapture takes place, your trip will be shorter. Why worry? Worry wears you out. Worry keeps you up at night. Worry fills your mind with thoughts that are not good. And it, the enemy occupies your mind. He shapes your emotions and he makes you act like an idiot. Why won't you get on an elevator, an escalator? Why are you afraid of a putty cat? Some people are deathly afraid of chickens. They call them chickens because they're to be afraid. Somebody say amen. Doesn't make sense that someone made in the image of God should walk around with anxiety and depression when God is holy and his river is flowing today. Jealousy. 
the green-eyed monster. And it's a demon from hell. Identify your enemy. It's a demon from hell. I'm writing a book, and in that book, my wife and I was in a church not far away, not here, but not far away. And she, at the time, was down in the altar praying for somebody that was about five feet away. This young man went down there to pray, seek God. And another person from the worship team came down and was praying right with him. And in just a moment of time, this person's wife came down and began, in the church service, began to curse vile, vulgar language, accusing these two ladies that were praying for her husband of lusting after him. It was a jealous demon on display acting out in the church of God. They have all been let loose. I don't think any of them are in Padawan school. All of them are now evil Jedis and have been turned loose not only on the church but have been turned loose in the community where mindless maniacs are doing evil in your town. It's not going to stop. If it was going to stop, I'd tell you. If, if there was going to be a great revival, tell, show me in the word. It's only going to get worse. You have to decide what you're going to do and how you're going to react. You are in charge of yourself. Fear. Paranoia. Do you always think people are out to get you? Well... Jen's allowing this person to get up and sing. She must like them more. Therefore, Jen's against me. Pastor's letting another person preach. It's my turn to preach. He must be against me. We begin to think that every single situation we run across, that there's something going on behind the scenes when there is nothing at all. The enemy's working on your mind. Going through a thousand scenarios, getting you all worked up, and everybody is innocent but your mind. A demon from hell. How about guilt? I don't know about you, but my pre Christian self was not white as driven snow. And one of the favorite tactics of Lucifer is to play back your past on a loop over and over and over. That's how anxiety works too. It's over. You never figure it out. Over and over and over. Oh, I'm going to figure this out because I'm going to think about it long enough. No, over and over. If I just ask God to forgive me one more time, over and over, and you still feel guilty. Because that feeling of guilt is sent by the enemy, and it's a tagline of a demon that he's been specialized. 
Demons are specialized in what they do. There are demons of addiction. There are demons of lust and adultery. There are demons for the pedophile. There are demons for the thief. There are demons of guilt. There are demons of jealousy. Demons that specialize in fear. Demons that specialize in anger. They are highly trained and capable and have been at it for thousands of years. You're no match without the Holy Ghost. No match. No match. Those are the strongholds the Apostle Paul says that you have got to break by the power of the Holy Ghost. The Lord is identifying right now as you sit there. And, and there could be a whole plethora of bubbles up there with different problems. You can just put yours in. It'll fit. It's spiritual it's not really material. It's a spiritual thing. It can fit up there. How many angels can dance on the head of a pin? As many as want to because they're immaterial. Your thoughts are immaterial. You can't really feel of them, but they sure do affect you. And once those thoughts of your mind start your emotions into a royal, then your actions will act out of fear, anger, Depression, paranoia, guilt. Some of you feel guilty about what you did before you got saved. And like I said, every time the enemy just plays that over and over, you ask God to forgive you, but you don't really believe he did. You better ask again. Because if you really believe you're forgiven, you'll quit playing that. And the enemy will have to pull out another CD and throw in there. Once you identify the enemy, you can start to clear your mind. It can be cleansed. It can be neutralized. It can be fertile ground for the Holy Ghost. But you've got to remove the junk, Pastor says, the stinking thinking. If you go to Thanksgiving dinner and that relative is there that you can't stand and the whole time you're trying to eat a nice meal and your stomach's in just a turmoil, you haven't forgiven them. And they have control over you. Someone cuts you off on the highway and you give them a special salute, they have control of you. You don't have control of you. You gave it to them, didn't you? You gave control away. Someone got your favorite parking place, got to work just a little early, and they did that on purpose. They did it on purpose. They thought, I'm getting back at sisters. I'm getting back at her. Last week she brought in blueberry muffins, and, and they didn't have sprinkles on them. I'm taking. All of this going on in your mind as you work it up, you work it up, you work it up. And the enemy, he's just, yeah, just what I wanted. Act out, lose your, lose your blessing, and just let the enemy squeeze every drop of joy out of you. Let's go to the next slide. You know, you can be a victim of the enemy. You can suffer through all of those things. 
and you can stay that way. And, and, you, and, and you might make heaven. You might. If you ask Christ into your heart, asking for, you, you can carry all of that luggage around. You can, but do you want to do that? I would rather be happy. Because Christ not only forgave me of my sins, he took care of my soul, my emotions, my mind, and my will. I no longer want to dwell where the enemy has turned loose his demons. I want to cut free of all of that luggage and be able to walk and talk in the power of the living God and enjoy my life until he takes me home.